Hi and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer marketing in the digital age and all things influencer marketing in right around 15 minutes. I'm Frida Ekholm, social media manager at Cure Media, and in this week's episode we have the UK beauty influencer Liv Watkins with us. Creating content around hair, makeup, styling and health, Liv reaches and inspires her 185,000 followers every day. And if you listened to our podcast earlier, you know we have had many fashion brands with us. But today it's actually the premiere of having an influencer with us, which is super fun as the influencer perspective is equally important. Today I have Liv with me to talk about how the influencer profession and her career as an influencer has changed over the last couple of years. Her best recommendations on how brands should approach influencers as well as the most common mistakes to avoid and of course some trend spotting for 2022. Hey Liv and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So before we jump into today's topic, I am so curious to hear a bit about you and your background. Cool, yeah. Uh, So I'm Liv. I am 28. I just got married um, and I work full-time as an account director in a marketing and development agency. Um, But I've been working on my kind of Instagram account and growing it for kind of about seven years, I'd say. Oh, that's a long time in this industry. Yeah, yeah. It has been a long time coming, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And looking back at the beginning of your influencer career, uh, how did you get started with growing your audience on Instagram? Um, It came really naturally, actually. Um, When I first moved to Norwich, I kind of needed a hobby. I didn't know what I was going to do for my career um, quite a long time ago, sort of seven or eight years ago. And so I started a blog um, and I would just share my blog posts like via my personal Instagram. Um, And I also set up a separate Instagram account that was just for makeup and I just posted makeup stuff on it. Um, And for some reason, randomly, one day, my personal Instagram just started getting followers. And I was posting like lifestyle stuff and just all my personal stuff as well, you know, family and everything. And it wasn't loads. Obviously, at the time, Instagram was a totally different world, but it was maybe like 10 to 20 a day, which for somebody that wasn't expecting anything was quite a lot at the time. Um, And so I got to about 3000 followers quite consistently and quite quickly um, and realized that I really enjoyed making that kind of content. And slowly my blog kind of fizzled out because I didn't have time to do both whilst working full time and trying to pursue a career. Um, And it's kind of just evolved from there. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) That's so fun. Yeah, it's been Uh, a bit of a journey. Yeah, and juggling like a full-time job besides being an influencer, that must be a lot. Yeah, sometimes it can be it can be a lot. You're not wrong. Um, but I love it. So I'm yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. And yeah, as uh, you know, our media consumption behavior has changed a lot in the last couple of years. 
and with consumers moving away from traditional channels uh, and instead spending more time on social platforms such as TikTok, Instagram and YouTube. Um, so compared to the more traditional channels, uh, influencer marketing is a quite young marketing channel. Uh, as you said, seven years, that's, that's a long time, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but short compared to the traditional channels. Uh, and the same goes for the influencer profession, of course. But how has your approach as an influencer changed over the years from the start up until today? So I would say my mindset and my approach from a mindset perspective has actually really stayed the same for me um, because having an audience that trusts me is the only goal. It's it's the point of being somebody that has um, has a trustworthy opinion that people like to follow and then will take their recommendations up. That's what influencing is. So um, if I... Um, you know, don't have an audience that don't believe in me and don't trust me, then um, it's all pointless, essentially. Um, my goal is to always feel like my followers are my best friend. So they're like, you know, I kind of say this sometimes, like on my stories, like I want you guys to feel like you're an extended WhatsApp group. Um, and it's like your girls messaging each other. Um, and that's kind of really the relationship that I have managed to get um, in my DMs and on my comments and things like that. It's, it's amazing. Um, and so my approach in terms of the mindset of like what the goal is, has always been the same. Um, I would say that um, as I've gotten older and as my audience has grown, I probably don't share as much like personal stuff. I don't necessarily share, you know, all of my family like I would, because as I said, it was originally just my normal personal Instagram account when I very first started um so yeah I would say that has changed um but in terms of the way I work with brands I think that's probably changed because of a few things I feel like growing older has changed me um I know myself more I know what um you know I know what my value is what my worth is what I'm able to pick um and Secondly, I would say time in the job. As you say, seven years is a long time for one person, but it's a short time for an industry to kind of come to life, really. Um, but this wasn't an overnight success story for me. I have been doing it for a long time now. And that means I've been watching other people also do it for a long time. So you can learn from people's mistakes and um, you can learn from my own mistakes and my re and the reaction that I get from my audience. Like we all have hiccups and and do the wrong thing. So I think that probably my attitude towards brands and things have has grown and evolved over over the years, whereas my attitude towards my audience has stayed very much the same. Yeah, yeah, that sounds so nice with the WhatsApp group feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. who's the girl? Yeah, I think that's the future of like influencer marketing overall as well. Like the authentic aspect of like the relationship between an influencer and its followers is like the, the core and the heart of influencer marketing. Yeah, massively. It's honestly, it, it, if you don't have that, then you become a TV advert. And then that's not the point. Yeah, that's true. And not only does the industry develop, but also the social platforms that it takes place onto. 
And this is something that many influencers and brands uh, struggle with, like how to get your content and message to stand out from the crowd. Um, but how do you work with monitoring the engagement, your content's getting, and how do you adapt your posts in response to your audience? I would say that it's a massive balancing act um, because you've got to balance the content that you love creating with the content that you're getting great engagement from. Um, and sometimes that doesn't always correlate. Something that you maybe didn't love as much as you love some other things might get amazing engagement. And so you, you know, based on those stats, okay, make more of that. But obviously, it's your job, you want to enjoy creating and putting things out there. So you have to make sure that there's a balance of giving people what they want to see. But like you say, staying authentic to yourself, um, creating the content that you enjoy, um, and kind of thinking back to the reason you first started. Um, so for me, I think I'm quite lucky in, in one sense because where this isn't my full-time job, um, I don't have to stress that this isn't going to pay my mortgage. And therefore, worrying so much on the numbers is um, a bit of a luxury for me that I, I don't have to do. Um, but at the same time, I I know how kind of unhealthy it can be and how much it can show to your audience if you do get really hung up on the numbers and you are constantly talking about, oh, please comment on my post or please, uh, you know, increase my engagement because it's been rubbish, like blaming the algorithm or whatever it is. Like yeah. that that doesn't always come across as, I guess, authentic. I guess, it, again, it still comes back to the same thing. So um, while it's not my full-time job, I just make an effort to try and create things that I can feel from like the WhatsApp group feeling of people loving versus me enjoying creating them as well. Yeah, I think that's the key to success. <laughs> and moving on to influencer marketing and the collaboration aspect of being an influencer, uh, that is a very important part, of course. Uh, how do you approach uh, sponsored content? What's your thought on that? So when, um, you know, I have a brand that reaches out to me, I try to um, kind of think of two two things. Um, do I know and love this brand or use this brand already or love the idea behind what they do, you know, love their ethos? Um, and do I think my audience will see that link? So even if it's a brand I've not used before, but it is beauty or it is something that I'm likely to have been using in my everyday life or, you know, along those lines, do I think that my audience is going to see that relation back to me and why I would be talking about this brand or the product or whatever it is? And if I can answer both of those questions with ease, I know I'm on to a winner. Like if I can say, I do already love this brand. I already love, you know, what they're making or I've heard about them and I love their ethos, but I've not had the, you know, chance to try them. And I know my audience are going to agree. Then, I mean, it's a quick reply to say, hell yes. Um, but if, say, I've not tried the product before 
let's say it's a makeup brand or something, um, what I would usually try to do before necessarily agreeing to the paid work is I would suggest that maybe they send me some of their products. I have a trial period where I make sure I'm happy with them. You know, they don't cause me any breakouts or like whatever it is. Um, and then we can go, yeah, let's let's collaborate because I love I love the, the product now. I've had a chance to try it. So I try to make it as true to you know, myself as I can. And I, I never want to recommend something that I don't love and that I don't think my audience is going to love. Yeah. That sounds like a good approach. <laughs> and I will notice like for the followers, if it's authentic and real or if it's something you haven't tried. <laughs> yeah, people can see straight through it. Yeah. Um, so when talking about like your relationship um towards brands, uh, do you think influencers should be considered consultants when working with brands? Yeah, I really do. Um, I think ultimately we know a huge amount about this industry, um, especially if we've been in it, you know, for a long time. Um, But on top of that, we know our audience better than anyone else. No brand knows our audience. No, no one else knows our audience better. No one else is in our DMs. No one else is replying to our comments. No one else has seen it evolve over the years. And so that is an insight into, you know, and you've got influencers that have got millions of followers to hundreds to thousands, like whatever. It doesn't matter how big your audience is. That's an insight that that brand wouldn't have otherwise. And so giving the opportunity to have these content creators and influencers consult on that audience size, I think is amazing. I think it's something that brands should definitely look for. Yeah. Um, So looking at some concrete advice, uh, how do you think brands should approach influencers uh, when they want to do a collaboration with them? Are there any like common mistakes that you really need to avoid? Yeah, I mean, brands should ideally go into a collaboration um, with influencers with a really open mind. Um, We have an audience, as we've kind of already mentioned, that values our opinion and our recommendations. We've spent years ensuring we have that trust with them. And so we've created, you know, spent thousands of hours creating free content for them to to view and use and and buy things from or whatever to ensure that we have that trust. And so if a brand is very prescriptive on the exact brief and the art direction behind that, you're going to lose that authenticity because it's not going to feel like the person that's creating the content. So ultimately, they need to go in with, yes, there are going to be key points and key, you know, things that you need to hit within that brief or, you know, call to actions or whatever it is. But if you're giving an influencer creative freedom, the collaboration is going to look so much better and you're going to end up with better ROI for the brand. Otherwise, it ends up looking stiff and unnatural. Yeah, so I would say that that kind of having the opportunity to brand uh, give the content creator um, creative freedom is the first thing. But also um, another mistake that brands tend to make is 
constantly offering like gifted items in exchange for exposure. And that is a two pronged problem because there's only a few times where that is beneficial for both sides. Um, But the main problem with that is it's massively devaluing the industry and the work that goes into content creators and the hours and hours of work and editing and shooting and reshooting and equipment, et cetera, that goes into that. So just assuming that a little bit of exposure in exchange for an eyeshadow is going to be okay is hugely devaluing to the rest of the industry. So that's another thing. And I'd say the final mistake that brands can make, um, so there's only three. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Just not paying people on time. Um, the amount of kind of people in this industry I hear where they're constantly chasing brands for money. And you've got to think like these content creators mainly are working full time. They've got bills and mortgages to pay in the same way that, you know, you have a salary and that pays your mortgages, except for their salary isn't guaranteed. So when a brand is flaky or doesn't pay, it simply means that the content creator is not going to want to work with them. That's also going to They're going to talk to other content creators because we're all in the same industry and that's going to put other people off. And ultimately, that means that that brand's going to miss out on future opportunities of work. So they just need to be more organized. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, super important, definitely from a brand perspective. And you talked a bit about uh, the collaboration seeming authentic that the followers will see through that and we know that by now Um, so a critical part of influence marketing is finding the right match between brand and influencer as well Um, so in combination with the like statistics like the data and followers uh, follower demographic a brand fit is very important to look at Um, but sometimes this isn't done properly, uh, maybe from the brand side, but it could also be the influencer reaching out. But without naming names, what kind of mistakes do you see on social media where you can tell the brand and the influencer aren't in sync? I guess I've sort of covered this in my last answer. Ultimately, it's so easy not to give influencers creative freedom. And when that's done, I think, especially if you're, already a content consumer of that influencer, it becomes very clear that that content isn't intuitive to them and their usual style or kind of direction that they're going in. And therefore, it just looks stiff and unnatural. Ultimately, the thing that makes each creator unique is them as an individual themselves is the unique selling point here. Um, So yeah, everyone might have a different niche, but nobody is you, nobody is me. And so that's the main sell. Um, So trying to make a brand fit them rather than them fitting the brand can be super obvious. Like if you're making them use language that they might not use or edit in a certain way, it, it just comes off disingenuous. Yeah. And we're running out of time. So my last question will be, Uh, about 2022 uh, which is closing up on us Uh, is there any trend you think brands and influencers really need to keep an eye on for the upcoming year I think to be honest with you reels are here to stay they're going to continue to sell reels and tiktok and that fast-paced 
video content is not going anywhere. Video content is key right now. Um, and I think although reels can now be up to one minute, um, to be totally honest, I think that the short bite size 15 to 30 second content, um, that's super easy for a user to digest. It's catchy, um, is going to be the biggest trend. It's, it's, it's not going anywhere in terms of content types. I still firmly believe that there is a place for imagery that's not going anywhere either. I just don't think it's going to be the main type of content that you see. Um, because ultimately in a video, you can have a thousand pictures. So why wouldn't a brand want that? And why wouldn't you want to give more of that? Um, the other thing that I'm really hopeful for, and I guess this is kind of a post um, kind of COVID thing is, and I'm starting to see it already, is that events are hopefully going to make a comeback. And I think that the events are really for the relationship between the brand and the creators. Um, the events aren't necessarily to sell to like the audience type. They are the perfect place where you can get that face-to-face -face conversation in with your creator or your whoever it is and actually get a really good working relationship. And I think that lots of people in the industry are really missing that face-to-face -face kind of chance to have meetings and meet lots of other industry um, peers, um, as well as to kind of get to know those brands much better and, and create really good relationships that way. Because ultimately, if you've got a great relationship with the brand, you're going to make better content for them because you want to, in the same way that if you really enjoy working for your boss, you're going to try really hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison for people uh, sitting at offices or maybe on their way to uh, the corporate jobs today. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, Liv, for visiting the podcast. Um, if our listeners doesn't already follow you, uh, where should they look? So I'm on Instagram. My handle is Liv with two Vs, R-H. So it's L-I-V-V-R-H. Um, and you can catch me on there doing makeup, hair and fashion. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. This brings us to the end of another episode of Influencer Marketing Talks. Follow us on our social media platforms at Cure Media to continue the conversation around influencer marketing and social media there. Also, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss another episode and to make sure you stay up to date on what's happening within the influencer marketing and social media sphere.